What is up, ASM? Uh, today we are in John chapter three, and John chapter three is something that's probably a little bit familiar. Uh, and just when I'm thinking about things that are familiar, um, I don't know if you ever do this, but you know, when you have like shower thoughts or like right before you go to bed, there's these things that stick in your head. Uh, and one of the things for me is like weird English sayings. Um, Again, I don't know if you ever think about this, but think about some of the things that we like say in English that are just so weird. Like, it's raining cats and dogs. Like, that makes no sense. Uh, or uh, sticking with the cat theme, cat got your tongue or cat let the cat out of the bag. I don't know, what's the last time you put a cat in your bag? Uh, or this saying, this one for some reason, like these past few weeks has just been in my head nonstop. It'll blow your socks off. What what does that even mean? Like what what could possibly blow your socks off? I don't. I mean, I don't know if you understand how socks work, but normally they kind of go over your foot and are hard to take off. So like I think about these sayings and they're just so familiar. And you've probably said them dozens, hundreds, thousands of times in your life. A bunch of random English sayings that we just rattle off the tongue. We don't really ever think about deeper meaning of what is behind them. Uh, and today, when I'm saying that our passage is familiar, John chapter 3, maybe you picked up on this, John chapter 3 has John 3.16, which is probably the most familiar, well-known verse in the entire world. It doesn't matter if you've never been to church or if you've gone to church your entire life, you have probably seen at least the words John 3.16 somewhere. If you grew up going to church, or if you're like me and I was an Awana kid, uh, my mom was a Sparky leader, and, and so... Growing up in Awana, John 3.16, I mean, I was like four or five years old and we were already having that memorized. And so I have heard John 3.16 probably tens of thousands of times in my life. And if you were raised in the church, you're probably the same way. And here's, here's my challenge for you today. As we approach a text that is familiar, as we approach John 3.16, which is familiar, here's what I want to challenge you with. And we're actually, I encourage you to pause the video for a second and pray for this. To hear God's word, to hear John 3.16 and the rest of chapter 3, read it with fresh eyes. Hear it with fresh ears. Actually approach this and kind of throw out some of our just numbness to the verse and approach it fresh and eager to learn and be challenged by it. Um, John 3.16 is not just like a pledge or an anthem that we just hit over and over again we never think about. It, it needs to be something that is, the reason why it's so popular is that it needs to be something that is uh, changing us, that challenges us, and that's what it does. And here's, again, here's my challenge is that we're going to read and see John chapter 3, including 3.16, in context, and I hope that brings this verse to life and challenges and convicts us as well. All right, so let's talk about where we are, where we at. We're in, we're in the book of John, the gospel of John. This is the story of Jesus, his life, his teachings, and 
we are actually at such a cool point, and I could spend all day literally talking about this first part of chapter three, but this man named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is an older man, uh, we can assume. He's a, he's a Pharisee, which means, again, he is one of the Jewish religious leaders, right? So this guy, Nicodemus, knows his stuff, right? To us, what's the Old Testament to us? Nicodemus knows that inside and out. He gets it. And normally when we see Jesus interact with the Pharisees, he's normally rebuking them or telling them how they're wrong and convicting them and and usually full of righteous anger. But in this case, what happens is Nicodemus approaches Jesus. And one of the things to note is that Nicodemus comes to Jesus, it says, in the night. And we can read into that a little bit that the Pharisees obviously did not really like Jesus. We know that through the rest of the story, they end up being the ones that try to get him crucified and succeed. But Nicodemus approaches Jesus in the night and he approaches Jesus in humility because he opens by saying, clearly, these teachings, these actions must come from someone of God, right? So Nicodemus is coming to Jesus in the role of the learner, right? He recognizes Jesus. He calls him rabbi as teacher. And Jesus begins to explain some things to Nicodemus. And one of the first things he says is something about being born again, right? In verses three and four, Jesus replied to Nicodemus saying, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus, rightfully so, is confused by this. This is a very new idea to him. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? He is old. How can he be born? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Right? Nicodemus is taking Jesus' teaching very literally and trying to understand it. And if we're in his role, we would be just as confused. Right? We would, we would see this, we would hear this, and we would be so confused as to what Jesus is saying. And what Jesus explains and what he's really teaching here is this concept of baptism. That he says you're to be born of water and of spirit. Uh, and that this is what it means to follow him, is that we are born again. And, and so Nicodemus is confused by this, and Jesus explains everything to him in a different way. And this is the meat of this text. This is so life-changing. This is, uh, if, if you don't get anything else, tune in with me for the next five minutes because this is it. This is what it means to follow Jesus. So Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus who he is and what he is teaching. And the way he does it, we go to verse 14. He says, just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the man of there's the son of man, excuse me, must be lifted up. And what Jesus is quoting here is from the book of Numbers. So the book of Numbers is Old Testament. If you know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book of the Bible, right? So very early, this is the story of after uh, Israel has uh, been a part of the Exodus, right? The book of Exodus, but the Exodus, the action of leaving Egypt out of slavery, and they are in the wilderness. And actually where we are uh, in Numbers 21, they are in the wilderness, but they're also in the land of Canaan, which is the promised land, future land of Israel. And so they're in the wilderness, in Canaan. And what is happening is Israel, as they've done so many times, they're complaining and they're moaning. And what they do is actually, they say, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. 
They're complaining and they are angry and they're angry at Moses and they're angry at God. And so God, in his righteousness and also in his love to correct Israel, sends judgment and he sends it in a really dramatic way. This is what happens. So we're in Numbers 21. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Okay, so this, this story obviously is very shortened, right? A lot is happening. Like we said, they're in the wilderness and they're complaining. And so God sends judgment. And so that judgment are these venomous snakes. It's a poisonous snake. And what happens when you're bitten by a poisonous snake? You die. And this is happening. This is their judgment. That's what they get for complaining against God and sinning against God. He sends judgment. But God also sends the way for them to be saved of this judgment. And what that is, uh, to help you visualize this, what, what it is, it's a, a pole with a bronze snake wrapped around it. And actually what that is, that's the international or universal symbol of medicine or like healthcare. Um, so you've probably seen something like that and there's different variations, but this is the origin of that. So if you can picture that, that's kind of what it is. It, it's this big pole with a bronze snake statue kind of wrapped around it. And there's nothing magical about that statue, but what it is, what God is doing is God is showing through the symbol of his judgment, which is the snake, he also, because he sent the judgment, he also will provide salvation. Okay, so maybe, if you're getting ahead, maybe you're tracking, but this is what Jesus teaches Nicodemus. So we're going to read John 3.16 in the context of Jesus teaching to Nicodemus. So starting in verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, which we know now, so the, man, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The snake on the pole in the wilderness to Israel is a future symbol that Jesus represents, right? So what that means, if we see the similarity, verses 14 and 15 have a similar structure to 16. 14 and 15, Jesus says, God sent the snakes to judge the people, but he also gave them the snake lifted up on the pole to save them. So now the son of man, God's only son, me, Jesus, I have come to save and this is where we can read into the story and see ourselves. We are like the people of Israel. Our situation is this. We have sinned against God. Every single one of you has sinned against God. It does not matter how good you think you are. You have sinned. You have been selfish. You have looked at what God has commanded of you or known what God desires for you to do, and you have not done it. It's simple as that. That is what sin is. God has set a standard of perfection of who, he, of who he is. And we do not live up to that. 
We were born into sin. And so in the same way that God sent venomous snakes that were killing Israel, the sin in us is the venom that's killing us. We don't see it as dramatically because we get to live our lives and God blesses us with that, but we get to live our lives and if we live it in ignorance of the sin, of the poison that is in us, and we don't do anything about it, we will die. You are dead. You are dying. That is the truth. But the good news is that God has provided a way for you to be saved, and that is through his son. And when Jesus makes the comparison of the snake on the pole so the Son of Man will be lifted up. It's not that he is going to make a heavenly entrance and be praised. It's that no one said he will humble himself to death on the cross. That is what this story is. That is what John 3.16 is about. Jesus is announcing that I have come to be the sacrifice on the cross for you. Not because you deserve it, but because God. He says, for God so loved the world. You have done nothing to earn this. But he says, I have come because God, I love you so much that I will sacrifice everything for you. That is our situation. That is where we are, is that we are poisoned, we are dying, and now the object of our salvation, Jesus, has come to be the way that we will be saved, to be the only path for us to be saved. That, this is what the gospel is. John 3.16 is a proclamation of the gospel, but it's a proclamation of the gospel in such a deeper way than just a fun verse that says, God loves us. It's no, that there is a problem for you, that you are dying and you need You need the Son of Man lifted up. You need to put your faith in him that he will save you. John 3, 17 and 18 say this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. That's the snakes. The snakes were sent as judgment and condemnation. But Jesus was not sent to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's only Son. You fall into one of two categories. I don't care if you have gone to church your entire life or if this is your very first time you've heard about this. I don't care where you stand in that. Here is the truth, and this is what God's word, the gospel of John, is telling us, is that either you stand condemned because you do not believe in the name and the salvation of the sacrifice that Jesus did for you. You either stand condemned because you do not believe, or you are not condemned. You're free of that. You have been healed. The poison, the the sin that is in you, it doesn't have power. Jesus' death has cleansed that from you, and you've been given new life through faith in him. You fit into one of these two categories, and there's no in-between. There's no saying, well, I think I might. You're one of the two. And there's two takeaways for us here. Number one, which one are you? Where do you stand? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Or have you not? I have a question for if you haven't. If you haven't, why not? First, ask that for yourself. Take a minute. Think about it. 
how would you answer that? Why haven't you put your faith in Jesus? And maybe you have questions. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you have things that, that you need to talk through with someone. And I encourage you, talk to someone. Talk to someone who knows Jesus and challenge them. Why do you have faith in Jesus? And explain your story. Explain your problems. Explain your questions. But ask. Take the role of Nicodemus and come and learn. If you are not condemned, if you have salvation, this is our call to remember what a beautiful but costly gift that is, that was. To live in light of that fact is to remind ourselves every day when we wake up that we were bought with a price that God loved us. It's nothing that we did. And so we owe everything to him. And so our challenge is how do we give thanks to Jesus for what he has done? Take some time and pray right now. Now's as good a time as any to pray and give thanks to God for what he has done for you. And then after, go live it. There's a million ways you can do that, but go live it because we have been saved from death and there is nothing greater than that. Again, this is a familiar text. It's easy to read John 3.16 and rehearse it and know it, but understand the story that is, that is John 3.16. Understand the meaning of it, the impact, and I hope also understanding what Jesus is referencing of, of what we are saved from and, and what he is the example of. I hope that changes it and brings it to life for us to help us follow him better every day, because that's our goal. We wanna, we wanna live like Jesus every single day, right? So, uh, again, if you have not been saved, I challenge you, ask those questions. Talk to someone. Don't just sit there doing nothing. Uh, actually do something about it and challenge, challenge your Christian friends. Let's do it. All right, have a great week, guys.